Okay, good morning, and welcome back. Today is Wednesday, March 17, and it's a sunny day here, which is nice. This is episode 5, reading Zhuangzi, and uh, <clears throat> I found um, some interesting things, or had some interesting process over the uh, weeks, or over the last week, and uh, one of it is, one is that I found some beautiful music. <laughs> it's called uh, lo-fi sort of chill music from somebody in Japan. And there are a couple of um, compilations of like 17-minute uh, clips, maybe five clips or six clips, 20-minute, and then they repeat it five or six times over. So it's an hour or two hours and it just goes on and on. But it's quite lovely and very peaceful, very, very um, heartful and... Um, uh, above third density vibratory quality um, that you may enjoy. So I'm going to put I'll put those links on later onto the YouTube, you know, onto the uh, text description. And again, um, please, if you value these talks, uh, take a look at the uh, podcast or additional resources links because YouTube is, you know, doing purging regularly. And even though I don't think my talks are that controversial politically, um, <laughs> they know who I am. And uh, uh, at some point, maybe this channel will be purged. So um, they are regularly, these talks are regularly put up onto a archive.org page and as well on podcast platforms. Uh, those are all available in the links below. <clears throat> and in the future, there'll be another place uh, as a, a compilation or archive of just the uh, audio. So please um, don't be caught unawares um, if at any point next year or so this channel is not available, because uh, anything can happen at this point. So uh, what I want to do today is first read um, from a page... Um, there's a site called goodreads.com and they have quotations from movies and books and they're, um, you know, as valuable as the quotations <laughs> are from those sources. There is a, <clears throat> uh, there, there, there's a page that begins 180 plus quotes from Johnson. The translations are variable, meaning uh, some are from scholars who are very serious about um, holding to the original and other translations among this collection on Goodreads are um, from translators that um, enjoy doing their own thing and putting flourishes on and adding lots of words that were not in the original. The original, is, uh, again, is very, very terse. Uh, there may be a four or five character line that becomes 10 English words in translation. Very common, it's like that. <clears throat> and there are all sorts of um, additions and flourishes that translators add that may help the meaning, may uh, harm or take, you know, add to. Clearly, it's additional. Uh, in some cases, uh, ordinary people would think that's helpful. Or, what's the problem, man? No problem. 
if you want general meaning, um, actually lots of translations are good enough. If you want the power and the, the tone of the original, forget it. Because <clears throat> you actually have to uh, get a transliteration or word-by-word -word translation pre-smoothing, uh, uh, pre-reconstruction uh, by the translator. I was looking at very... Um, interesting, very nice page that I might even go to in the future, which is uh, Chinese poems from the Tang. There was a, actually a collection called 300 Tang, T-A-N-G, Tang Dynasty Poems, <clears throat> from what, a thousand years ago, 1200 years ago, uh, seventh through the ninth century. Uh, three major poets, uh, Li Po, P-O, or Li Bai, when I was growing up, we called him Li Po um, in high school. I studied this or read it on my own. And Li Po, Li Bai, famous drinking poet. Du Fu, another poet. And Wang Wei, another. These are the three major, considered some of the greatest poets of the Tang Dynasty. So there's a page. Um, <clears throat> and I'll just send this link <laughs> for us here in the class. And there's a lot of bird activity in the springtime. Uh, this is a poem called Amusing Myself uh, from Li Bai or Li Po. And you've got on this beautiful, very, very well done. I don't even know who did this, but it's a very solid site. And you've got the Chinese original. You've got the uh, romanization of the Chinese characters. So five characters... Uh, the character, the, the, like the title, two characters, and then transliteration like zhi qian, amusing myself. And then you've got the five, the four lines of five characters each, and the these guys are a little too loud for me. <clears throat> In any case, that's just the way it goes. Uh, four, four lines of five characters each, and you know word transliteration dui ju bu ju ming. Like that. Then you've got the English uh, as tight to the original. Uh, you know, you've got five characters. You've got five English words. Then you have the smoothed version, which is call, called the translation. And so this poem, which is of four lines of five characters each, 20 characters, and that's the whole thing. <clears throat> called Amusing Myself. And you can just see what's going on here. Uh, the first line of five characters. Face, wine, not aware, get dark. Fall, and the next line. I'll read the whole thing in the original. So you get a sense of what's lost here with all these translations, and even the best translations. And these are pretty good ones, actually. Um, lose the power, lose the sound, lose the feeling from the power and the sound of the original characters. Cannot be another way. That's it. You, you, it it's inevitable. For me, because I have a fondness a lot for the original, <clears throat> I feel the loss of, uh, I feel the loss keenly of the feeling, the power, the tone, tonal quality. The, the, oh, the, the, the grok of the original is lost. 
but the, the the meaning is maintained. Okay, a good translation maintains the meaning, but adds a lot of stuff that's not there in the original. Some people are just fine with that. I don't really like that. Uh, and this is a template for what is being done with Zhuangzi. So I'll read the original <clears throat> in its tightest form in English. Face, wine, not aware, get dark. Fall, flower, fill my clothes. Drunk, stand, step, steam, stream, moon. Bird, far, person, also few. Now, I like that. <laughs> uh, you got to be in a certain state of mind to figure it out or to get it. Face, wine, not aware, get dark. Translates as, facing my wine, I did not see the dusk. Fall, flower, fill my clothes becomes falling blossoms have filled the folds of my clothes. No, there's no folds of my clothes. It's just fill my clothes. It's not, and it, maybe it's blossoms, maybe it's flowers. Drunk, stand, step, stream, moon <clears throat> becomes drunk. I rise and approach the moon in the stream. Bird, far, person, also few. Birds are far off, people too are few. So it becomes facing my wine, I did not see the dusk. Falling blossoms have filled the folds of my clothes. Drunk. I rise and approach the moon in the stream. Birds are far off. People, too, are few. I don't know about you, but that brings me right back to uh, <laughs> some ancient times. But the original is face, wine, not aware, get dark. Fall, flower, fill my clothes. Drunk, stand, step, stream, moon. Bird, far Person, also few. <laughs> so, facing my wine, I'm unaware of the darkness. Um, flowers fall and fill my clothes. Drunk, I stand. Uh, I stand and step in the moon stream. Birds are few. Uh, people are also few. Birds and people are few. It's not so much different, and, and it's kind of choppy, obviously, from the translated version. But you can get some sense of what's lost here, and that's a template for how to understand <clears throat> um, even uh, you know, all, the, all the translations of, of Chinese text, of all the translations of Chinese originals that are classic, and particularly Zhangzi, and in specific, this collection of 180 quotes on uh, goodreads.com. But uh, I want to read, I'll read the first page of 30 anyway. Bear in mind that lots of words were added that were not in the original. Uh, but you'll get the meaning. And But don't think that they talk like you do, because they don't. Uh, he's not talking the way we talk. He, he talked... These poems are very concise. They're like <clears throat> um, high, high concentrated vitamins. <laughs> They're concentrated uh, word, uh, concentrated chi, universal power, uh, word complexes. This kind of thing. Anyway, let me read some <clears throat> more of the first page. And you get a sense, because the, the meanings are good. The meaning is good. Um, much is lost in the translation, but the meaning is good and you can get it. And the other thing to bear in mind that I think is important 
is um, <clears throat> advice is cheap. And there are lots of people, lots of spiritual teachers and teaching that just says, uh, this is how you should be. Be this way. Uh, and they also simplify uh, the path to being able to be that way. And have some presumption that if you're just that way, all's fine. Uh, that's not true. Number one, some of what they recommend, how, just be that way, cannot be done after until there are years of practice and mind training and discipline. Sometimes, obviously, with meditation as helping, sometimes there are certain things you won't understand without meditation. You just The mind can't get it unless there's serious, long-term, disciplined mind training. It's just not possible, certain developments then it's not even recommended, in my view, to try to be, to keep the mind in a certain state all the time. But the way much teaching is offered, including what we see in these translations of Zhongzi <clears throat> from the page, is um, some presumption that this is an ideal state, uh, and to be well, one must be there always. And the high beings are there always. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not there. I don't think so. Um, high beings are not in a certain state of mind, <clears throat> or very, very advanced souls are not in one mind state continually. There is some fluctuation. But there isn't any self-conflict. <laughs> there isn't any harm. There is always going to be high development of green, blue, indigo. But what that means... Um, uh, is uh, vast and subtle. <laughs> so, anyway, let me read these quotes and you can do whatever you like with them. <clears throat> and I don't know where they come from. Uh, number one. Once upon a time I dreamt I was a butterfly, fluttering hither and thither. Definitely not in the original. To all intents and purposes, a butterfly. I was conscious only of my happiness as a butterfly, unaware that I was myself. Soon I awaked, and there I was, veritably, myself again. Now I do not know whether I, whether I was then a man dreaming I was a butterfly, or whether I am now a butterfly dreaming I am a man. <clears throat> very, that's a very classic uh, quote. And Okay, I'll just read them all and then uh, yak a bit after. Next. The fish trap exists because of the fish. Once you've gotten the fish, you can forget the trap. The rabbit snare exists because of the rabbit. Once you've gotten the rabbit, you can forget the snare. Words exist because of meaning. Once you've gotten the meaning, you can forget the words. Where can I find a man who has forgotten words so I can talk with him? Next. Flow with whatever may happen and let your mind be free. Stay centered by accepting whatever you're doing. This is the ultimate. And that's an example of presumed ideal state to be maintained all the time. Next, a path is made by walking on it. Next, rewards and punishment is the lowest form of education. Next, the wise man knows that it's better to sit on the banks of a remote mountain stream than to be emperor of the whole world. Happiness is the absence of the striving for happiness. Meaning the greatest, uh, very uh, aligned with the Buddhist view that 
<clears throat> the highest of fulfillment is to be free of desire. Next, let your heart be at peace. Watch the turmoil of beings, but contemplate their return. If you don't realize the source, you stumble in confusion and sorrow. When you realize where you come from, you naturally become tolerant, disinterested, amused, kind-hearted as a grandmother, dignified as a king. Immersed in the wonder of the Tao, you can deal with whatever life brings you, and when death comes, you are ready. Definitely a free translation. Next, to a mind that is still, the entire universe surrenders. To be truly ignorant, be content with your own knowledge. <laughs> During our dreams, we do not know we are dreaming. We may even dream of interpreting a dream. Only on waking do we know it was a dream. Only after the great awakening will we realize that this is the great dream. And so dreaming is very much a metaphor for um, an uncertain... Um, uh, the uncertainty of experience or the intrinsic um, uh, unreliability of um, conscious experiencing, we don't really know what it is outside the ways we interpret it. And we don't know uh, any of that outside of additional interpretation. And um, everything seems very real, <clears throat> but we're familiar with sleep and we're familiar with dream and that seems real too. But from our perspective here, that's not real. And from our perspective there, there's nothing here. <laughs> and then there's invisible metaphysical dimensions and uh, higher self and the rest of us that is not physical. Going on. I cannot, tell if, I cannot tell if what the world considers happiness is happiness or not. All I know is that when I consider the way they go about attaining it, I see them carried away headlong, grim and obsessed in the general onrush of the human herd, unable to stop themselves or to change their direction, all the while they claim to be just on the point of attaining happiness. Next. Forget the years, forget distinctions, leap into the boundless and make it your home. That's straight translation from Burton Watson. <clears throat> I like that phrase. Leap into the boundless and make it your home. Next. If a man crosses a river and an empty boat collides with his own skiff, even though he be bad-tempered man, he will not become very angry. But if he sees a man in the boat, he will shout at him to steer clear. If the shout is not heard, he will shout again and yet again and begin cursing, all because someone is in the boat. Yet if the boat were empty, he would not be shouting and not get angry. If you can empty your own boat, crossing the river of the world, no one will oppose you. No one will seek to harm you. Beautiful. If you can empty your own boat crossing the river of the world, no one will oppose you. No one will seek to harm you. So the question is, what does that mean to empty your own boat? Going on. The sound of water says what I think. <laughs> Next. The baby looks at things all day without winking or blinking. That's because his eyes are not focused on any particular object. He goes on without knowing where he's going and stops without knowing what he's doing. He merges himself within the surroundings and moves along with it. 
these are the principles of mental hygiene. And that is resonant with Nityananda talking about uh, babies, infants under six months being um, in, in akin to a, a sort of satchit um, yana state of, of realization or non-duality. Going on, only he who has no use for the empire is fit to be entrusted with it. We are born from a quiet sleep and we die to a calm awakening. I really wonder if (laughs) a lot of the phrasing is not anywhere near the original Chinese, but the meaning is approximate. Next, if you have insight, you use your inner eye, your inner ear to pierce to the heart of things, and you have no need of intellectual knowledge. Same idea that that, that words uh, exist exist for the purpose of conveying meaning, and once you have the meaning, you don't need the words, or you can play with the words, or you can see the emptiness of the words. Words are vehicular. They're just a vehicle conveying meaning. And once you have the meaning, you need not worry about the words. You can actually relax the mind more, and there's less need for thought. Next, when the heart is right, for and against are forgotten. Next, a frog in a well cannot discuss the ocean because he's limited by the size of the well. A summer insect, see this is straight, uh, (laughs) you know, heavily um, reworked from chapter one. A summer insect cannot discuss ice because it only knows its own season. A narrow-minded scholar cannot discuss the Tao because he's constrained by his teachings. Now you've come out of your banks and have seen the great ocean. You now know your own inferiority, so it is now possible to discuss great principles with you. Again, not, not so close to the original. The perfect mind uses, the perfect man uses his mind like a mirror, going after nothing welcoming nothing, responding, but not storing. You can't discuss the ocean with a well frog. He's limited by the space he lives in. You can't discuss ice with a summer insect. He's bound to a single season. And that just shows you all sorts of translators. People, they they really like to do their own thing. (laughs) I like to do my own thing, but I, I really respect the original. And I don't think, I don't, I really don't think people have that respect. I don't see it. Anyway, men of the world who value the Tao all turn to books. But books are nothing more than words. Words have value. What is of value in words is meaning. Meaning has something it is pursuing. But the thing that it is pursuing cannot be put into words and handed down. The world values words and hands down books, but though the world values them, I do not think them worth valuing. What the world takes to be values or valued is not real value. So this is very deep, actually, because we're talking about um, means and ends uh, and essentials and non-essential. The means are only essential or necessary as means or or, uh, vehicles, uh, technique and options for getting to the end. The end has value greater than the means, but the means, like words, are useful, 
I mean, that that's the point of trying to hold close to the original. And don't add words. <laughs> don't add words to the teacher, to the teacher's saying. Don't add words to the teacher's saying. If you don't understand it, at least we can talk about it, but he didn't say all those extra words. So don't, don't, don't disrespect him. So, uh, men of the world who value Tao all turn to books. We read a lot, or <laughs> we read some. The books are useful because of the words. The words are useful because of the meaning. The meaning has something it is pursuing. What's the value of meaning? Huh? Why, uh, why do we seek meaning? Why is meaning valuable? It's because of something else. Yeah. What's it because of? I think that the value of meaning, which is the purpose for which we use words, which is the purpose for which we acquire or study books with words to find meaning, is ultimately for self-transformation. The, the value of meaning is its um, potential and power and effect in self-transformation. Seven chakra transformation. Transformation of consciousness. Uh, which is, as always, um, eliminating lower triad blockages, res- resolving, releasing lower triad blockage, and developing green, blue, indigo in balance. Whatever that means. Another way of looking at uh, love, wisdom, green, blue... Uh, is, or wisdom and compassion, is justice and mercy. Justice is fifth ray, mercy is four. And the balanced approach to self and other is a balance of um, justice and mercy. Uh, Mercy is a word that people don't use unless you're a Catholic too much. Mercy is sort of um, tenderness, compassion, sympathy, caring, love, right, green ray, it, it's heartful care um, th- that values heartful care as an end in itself. Justice is may or may not include mercy or heartful care or love and kindness and compassion. There's the negative use of wisdom, right? Or negatives use fifth ray too. But uh, justice is particularly centered in, in truth and... Um, non-distortion. What's just is fair. It's fair because it's uh, rightful. It's right. It's, um, it's right because it's godly or it's of a universal law. It's not uh, outside the lawful. Uh, the lawful that includes compassion and mercy. Justice, um, what's just as what's fair um, is sort of what's right. And it's right because it's non-distorted, but it's in harmony with what's good. So the great um, cannot be separated from the right. It's a very deep Confucian view. What's great is intrinsically right, meaning just. And that's ultimately what's great is six chakra. The consequences of six chakra activation is greatness. The greater the sinner, the greater the saint. That greatness is six chakra activation. It's um, access to intelligent energy. It's divine power. That's access through six chakra. That's great or mighty. The mighty men of old. The might is sixth ray. 
and that's actually the like Dauda. And it's a uh, full six chakra activation is in is impossible without full or or somewhat maximal development of green blue, which includes love and mercy. So, uh, <clears throat> but the value of meaning has something it's pursuing, but the thing it's pursuing cannot be put into words and handed down. You can't transfer self transformation. You can't transfer uh, spiritual maturity or uh, spiritual maturity as a, uh, and I would call it, I define it as an integrated development of green, blue, indigo. The person who's well-developed green, blue, indigo is spiritually mature, and everyone else is not. <laughs> and that's our path, which is made by walking upon it, or development. That's the value of the meaning intrinsic to words, is how we may apply it to self and other situations and our contemplations to move towards greater freedom and well-being out of dukkha and, uh, you know, bondage to uh, habitual patterns, to move out of, free, out, out of distortion, to move out of pain, to move towards greater freedom, to move towards greater fulfillment of potential. That's the value of meaning. And when you have the meaning... Uh, you know, when you can perceive meaning, you don't need words and thought. <laughs> buddhi, as Nityananda would say, buddhi can perceive meaning with a few words. In fact, that's a, not a bad way of defining uh, buddhi versus manas or manasic function of mind. Buddhi perceives meaning uh, without without reliance on words, with in a non-linear non-thought form based process monastic function determines meaning by use of thought form in linear sequence meaning thinking <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> what the world takes to be values is not real value well we know we're living in a 3D repeater civilization uh, final quotes here the petty thief is imprisoned but the big thief becomes a feudal lord mm, don't we see that today Great wisdom is generous. Petty wisdom is contentious. Uh, and so to call out the contentious is not contentious. My contentious friend. So calling out uh, troublemakers is not troublemaking. It's simply identifying um, pits uh, to avoid. Pits and holes and ditches and swamps to avoid. It's not a matter of, I don't, one doesn't stay there. One calls it out and says, that is a, a muck hole to avoid. Great wisdom is generous. Petty wisdom is contentious. Very accurate. And we see that social media filled with petty wisdom. Where is that man who has forgotten words that I may have a word with him? Next, men honor what lies within the sphere of their knowledge, but do not realize how dependent they are on what lies beyond it. Ooh. So we humans, 3D repeaters particularly, honor and value highly what they know, aspects of what they know and conceive, and have no conception of what that knowing depends upon, right? <laughs> the evil ones of planet Earth have no understand. the ones that hate uh, love <clears throat> and hate uh, beauty and hate the natural order, or hate God. Don't know that the natural order and God and universal law 
allows them to continue with their hate, with their <laughs> folly, circular follies. So, next, and I'll, I'll end it here. Uh, you have only to rest in inaction, Wu Wei, and things will transform themselves. Smash your form and body, spit out hearing and eyesight, forget you are a thing among forget you are a thing among other things, and you may join in great unity with the deep and boundless. You know, honestly, <laughs> this all long wordy talk here, you may join in great unity with the deep and the boundless, may well be somebody's translation of leap into the boundless and make it your home. And and that itself is probably um a translation from some few characters like uh, boundless leap, boundlessness leap, um, homemade. That's it. I really like personally that terse style. Um, but uh, the Western mind has a real trouble with that, you know. <laughs> the Abrahamic religions have done a piece of work to the Western minded, indeedy. So, Let's go on. All right, 33 minutes. <clears throat> so what I'd like to do today, complete uh, chapter one, free and easy wandering, using the translation from A.C. Muller, who noted on the top of the page, uh, translation chapter one was undertaken in conjunction with readings, a readings course in classical Chinese at the University of Tokyo, 2009, and student input was integral. So he names the participants, and that's nice. So... Um, this is not such a different translation. The notes are wonderful. He actually has like 70, uh, 70 notes for the first couple of chapters. He, he only translated chapters one and two. Um, it's, you see the original Chinese above the translation with, um, voluminous footnotes of both the original Chinese and his translation. It's very nice. I won't use the footnotes that much, but you can look at them yourself. They are interesting and clarify a bit. So I'll just read through and try to uh, restrain my mouth and um, <clears throat> then do some commentary. Chapter 1, Zhangzi, translated by A.C. Muller and Klaus. In the northern darkness there is a fish. His name is Kun. Kun is so big that I don't know how many thousands of li long he is. He changes into a bird named Peng. Peng's back is I don't know how many li, how many thousand li wide. When he takes off, his wings seem to cover the clouds. When the currents move, then this bird takes off for the southern darkness to the heavenly pond. The Universal Harmony book records various amazing things and about Peng, it says, When Peng takes off for the southern darkness, after roiling the seas for 3,000 li, as he ascends 90,000 li, availing himself to the early summer winds, his flapping causes typhoons. The dust flies about and living creatures are blown about amongst each other. Is the blueness of heaven its real color, or does it look like that just because it's so far off? When Pung looks down, it's the same way. Now, if you don't pile up water deeply enough, it won't have enough strength to carry a large boat. 
If you pour the water out of a cup into a depression in the floor, then little bits of trash become boats. If you place the cup in that water, it will stick, since the water is shallow and the boat is large. The cup. So, if the wind is not piled up deeply enough, then it doesn't have the strength to support the great wings of Peng. Therefore, when Peng flies up ninety thousand li, he needs to have the wind under him like this. Only after this, when the wind is piled up, can he ride on the blue sky with nothing to stop him. After which he aims for the south. The cicada and the little dove laugh, saying, quote, "I set my mind on leaping up and flying, jumping from the elm wood tree to the sandalwood, but always end up not getting there and fall back to the ground. How can he fly ninety thousand li to the south?" End quote. Someone who takes a day trip to the local meadow, meadow has three meals and comes back home with his stomach still full. Someone who's going to travel one hundred li grinds his grain the night before. If you are going a thousand li, you need three months to gather provisions. What do these two little creatures know? Small understanding can't match great understanding. The short-lived cannot match the long-lived. How do we know this? The morning mushroom knows nothing of the dawn and twilight. The summer cicada knows nothing of the spring and fall. They are the short-lived. In the south of Chu, there is the Mingling, which is a tree or a turtle, which counts five hundred years as its spring and five hundred years as its fall. In great antiquity, there was a great camellia plant. Which counted eight thousand years as its spring and eight thousand years as its fall, and nowadays ancestor Peng, a different Peng, is known for his longevity, and everyone tries to follow him. Isn't it a shame? Tang's questions to Ji were about none other than this: in the extremely barren north, and this is the story repeated: in the extremely barren north, there is a dark sea, which is the heavenly pond. There's a fish there, which is several thousand li in breadth, and I don't know how long. Its name is Kung. There is a bird whose name is Peng, and whose back is as huge as Mount Tai, Taishan. His wings cover the sky like the clouds, and when he beats his wings, the winds turn into a cyclone like the horns of a ram, the shape of the clouds, as he ascends ninety thousand li, cutting through the clouds and mist. He carries the blue sky, after which he sets his sights for the south, journeying all the way to the southern darkness. The little quail laughs, saying, "How can he do such a thing? I jump up and fly several meters, and then fall down, flopping and flailing in the midst of the weeds and brambles. And that's the most that one can fly anyway. Where does he think he's going?" End quote. This is the difference between the great and the small. Hence, we know that the intelligence sufficient for a single office, the behavior appropriate to lead a single village, the merit matching that of a local ruler, or the judgment of running the entire country, are still nothing more than one's own point of view, and are thus like this little bird. Yet Rongzi of the Song had a good laugh over it. Furthermore. If the whole world praised him, it was no special encouragement, 
and if the whole world criticized him, he was not especially discouraged. Here he determined the divisions of inner and outer, and distinguished between glory and disgrace. He did not fret about the world, or his place in the world, yet he was still not perfect. Now, Lietzi, uh, this was the, the third major Taoist in the pantheon, Laozi, Zhangzi, and Lietzi. Lietzi. Now, Lietzi took off riding the wind, cool and skillful, coming back two weeks later. He was not concerned over gaining fortune. Even though he could avoid walking, there were still things for which he had to wait. But if one rides on the normal processes of heaven and earth and directs the distinction of the six vapors in order to course in the limitless, what is there to wait for? Hence it is said, quote, In the perfected man there is no selfishness. In the spiritual man no accomplishment. In the holy man no concern for reputation. By the way, that's translated by Watson as, Therefore I say, the perfect man has no self, the holy man has no merit, the sage has no fame. And that's interesting. <laughs> that's a, much tighter than this, actually. Going on. Yao, concede, uh, seeking to cede the emperor, the empire to Shu Yao, Shu Yu, said, quote, When the sun and moon have come out and the torch fires have not been put out, is their light not meaningless? When the several rains, when the seasonal rains fall, and we still keep watering the crops, isn't this wasted effort? Sir, take the throne and assume leadership or rulership. If I continue to stick around, my deficiency is evident. I beg of you to take the throne. Shu Yu said, quote, You, sir, are governing the realm, and it's already well handled. If I were to take your place, wouldn't it be only for the title? But a title is nothing but the guest of reality. Shall I be a guest? When the tailor bird makes its nest in the deep forest, it doesn't use more than a single branch. When the mole drinks from the river, it fills its belly and nothing more. Go home and be at ease, my lord. I have no use for rulership. Even if the chef is not doing a great job of managing the kitchen, the person playing the role of the deceased and the priest do not leap over the wine casks and chopping board to take his place. <laughs> That's the way it was in the old days. Lots of ritual and positioning. Jian Wu asked Lian Shu, saying, quote, I have heard some words out of Jie Yu, a big talker with no point, who goes off on his topic without ever coming back. I was amazed at his words, which were endless, just like the Milky Way, way off the mark, and utterly detached from the real human situation. End quote. Lian Shu said, in return, What did he say then? Quote, uh, Lian, uh, Jian Wu replies, There is a, he said, There is a divine being living in Mount Mogu. His skin is white, like ice and snow, and he is slender as a maiden. Without eating the five grains, he breathes in the air and drinks the dew. He rides the clouds and drives the dragons, ranging out beyond the four seas. Focusing his spirit, he prevents people from getting disease and ripens the yearly harvest. I didn't believe it, and I took him to be crazy. 
end quote. So it is, responded Lanshu, quote, the blind have no way to appreciate the scene of ornate decoration, and the deaf have no way to experience the sound of bells and drums. How could this limitation only show itself in the physical faculties? Intelligence also has limitations. These words reflect your own case at the moment. The virtue of this fellow would take the myriad things and wrap them up into one. The world cries out in its disorder, but why should it be his responsibility to struggle with the burdens of the affairs of the world? This fellow cannot be harmed by other beings. Great floods can rise up to the sky and he won't be drowned. Great drought can melt minerals and scorch the lands and he won't be burnt. He scoops up the dirt and chaff of the world and molds men like Yao and Shun. Why should he consent to handle the trivial problems of society? End quote. A man of Song who made a living selling ceremonial hats brought them to Yu. But the Yu people, who shaved their heads and covered their bodies with tattoos, had no use for them, the ceremonial hats. Yao governed the people in his realm, administering all within the four seas. He went to see the four sages of Mount Mogu, and returning to his capital at the north side of the Fun River, blankly forgot about his kingdom. Huizi, these are just stories here. Huizi, speaking to Zhuangzi, supposedly this is written by Zhuangzi, right? Huizi, speaking to Zhuangzi, said, quote, The king of Wei gave me some seeds for a giant gourd. I planted them, and they grew to the size of five bushels. I used them as water containers but they were so heavy that I couldn't lift them. I cut them into pieces to make ladles, but they were so flat and broad that they wouldn't hold anything. It's not that they weren't huge, but I had no use for them, and broke them into pieces. Zhuangzi said, Well, you're certainly clumsy when it comes to using large things, aren't you? Among the Song people, there were some who were good at making a salve that prevented the chapping of the hands. They used it for generations in their family business for bleaching silk. A traveler heard of it and offered to buy the formula for 100 pieces of gold. The people of the clan got together and discussed it. One said, We've been bleaching silk for generations and never making more than several pieces of gold. Now, in one morning, we can sell the technique for 100 pieces. I say we go for it. Clearly not the original. End quote. The traveler took it and told the king of Wu about it. There was trouble with Yu, and the king of Wu made him a commander, the guy who got the uh, formula. It was winter, and there was a naval battle with Yu, in which they routed the Yu. So the king of Wu routed the Yu with the technique for um, preventing chapped hands. So the king took a piece of the conquered land and enfoffed him, meaning he uh, gave him a, a, a territory. Now, the ability to prevent the chapping of the hands is one, but one fellow was able to turn this into a fiefdom, while another could not go beyond the bleaching of silk. This is the difference in usage. Now you, sir, have a gourd five bushels in size. Why didn't you think of making it into a great barrel and use it to float on the rivers and lakes? Instead, you suffer over the uselessness of large dippers. It's like you have brambles in your brain. Uh, this point of the difference in usage is, is part of the uh, theme or the main teaching, which we'll see in the next uh, 
And final paragraph. Hui Tzu said to Zhuang Tzu, I have a large tree, which people call Ailanthus. It's the Latin name, <laughs> which they didn't know. It has a great trunk that's all swollen and knotted, such that you cannot use a plumb line. Its branches are twisted up so that they don't line up with the carpenter's square. If it were standing along the road, a lumberjack wouldn't give it a glance. Now, sir, your words are big, but lack application. The kind of thing everyone avoids, Chong said. Have you alone never seen badgers and wildcats? They crouch down low, and then they're proud of themselves as they dart around from west to east on the beams. But they can't avoid going between the high and low ground, and in the middle get caught in traps and die in the nets. Then there's the yak, said to be so large as to cover the sky. Well, it certainly can be regarded as huge, but it can't catch mice. Now you, sir, have this great tree, and you fret over its uselessness. Why don't you go and plant it in the village where there is nothing whatsoever? This is uh, capitalized. Plant it in the village where there's nothing whatsoever, in the broad and empty fields. Hang around without aims at its side, freely and easily nap underneath it, the tree. Axes and hatchets do not cut its life short, and it is not harmed by people. Why are you suffering over its uselessness? (laughs) From uh, Burton Watson, that um, final guidance here is, Now you have this big tree and you're distressed because it's useless. Why don't you plant it in not-even-anything village, or the field of broad and boundless? Relax and do nothing by its side, or lie down for a free and easy sleep under it. Axes will never shorten its life. Nothing can ever harm it. If there's no use for it, how can it come to grief or pain? And so this is um, a different reading of uh, the characters. If there's no use for it, how can it come to grief or pain? So the useless is the un- the useless remains unharmed. If men don't use it, it remains in its original state, uh, unmolested. Uh, Muller's translation is: Why are you suffering over its uselessness? Now, the point is that um, uselessness is determined by the uh, subject. It's not a quality of the object. And so this is <laughs> epistemological, Taoist epistemology, uh, theory of knowledge, or studies of the nature of knowledge. Uh, the uh, gnarly tree, just like that huge gourd, is neither useful nor useless. It is by our imagination, by our perceptions and conceptions and interpretations of potential utility or use, we determine whether we will call it useful or useless. Uh, What seems useless is useless in regards to a particular application or usage. It's useless for particular usage. But that usage is not the only usage possible. There's additional usage where then one would find it quite useful. This is 
not as silly or, or simplistic as it might seem. Today, in the world, we have lots of restri restrictions on freedom. I don't like it. I don't support it. I hate it. But I can't do anything to change it. Uh, I can hate and hate, but I'd rather not walk around hating all day. I can despair. I'd rather not walk around in despair. Uh, I can pretend it isn't there, but I don't want to do that either. So I know it's there. I don't like it, but I don't want to get stuck in hate and despair. Uh, for the use of my life that I value most, or uh, one of those values that are up on the top of the value scale, freedom, um, the lockdowning, locking downs, the lockdowns and downings, the downings of the locks and keeping us down, locked in, uh, is useless or unhelpful or um, disallowing of uh, a greater fulfillment of that highest value of called freedom. It's useless, it's not helpful, it's harmful for freedom, no doubt. But um, there are other uses to con the condition of limited freedom. I'm not saying you shouldn't fight it. Fight, fight, fight. Fight, fight, fight. What's that song? Uh, Willoughby. Willoughby. Uh, so if you don't want to fight, 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 find, find yourself, find, find your own Willoughby and um, remain connected to um, reality. <laughs> don't go off into um, delusion. A, a reasonable Willoughby, like um, paradisical condition, and so, um, limited freedom is painful to the extent that we can't find freedom with lack of mobility. And I'm not saying one should acquiesce, do whatever you feel is best. What I feel is best for me is to more deeply understand it and make use of the limited freedom, which is really limited mobility, limited ability to move to make better use of um, what space I have, what time and space I have. So human life is useless uh, for living forever. <laughs> you can't live forever in a human life, in the human body, because the human body don't do that. So, yet, the very limited span of human life, limited time, is very useful for intensified self-working or transformation of consciousness, or transformation of seven chakras. What's useful, what's useless, depends on how it's seen. Depends on you. Depends on imagination. Depends on conception, or the comprehension, or the capacity to conceive options. And like that idea that we have free will, but the range of free willing at any one moment is limited by our level of development. <clears throat> the limit of intelligence, the limit of our capacity to imagine more. And so expanding the limits of mind is a worthy use of time and space without uh, maximal uh, mobility. And so transformation of what can be transformed uh, is useful. And so the, the gnarly tree swollen and knotted is absolutely useless in the per from the perspective of uh, lumber timber, as lumber as timber, it's absolutely useless. 
for its capacity to shelter securely it's extremely useful it's large and sheltering and is secure in that it won't be cut down because nobody wants it now there may be mosquitoes that's another matter so why are you suffering over its uselessness why are you suffering over limitation when you can make good use of limitation i'm not saying one should like what's going on i hate it okay i hate it more than you do so don't blame me but you probably won't but um, you know, I don't like what's going on one one little bit, uh, as he said. And so, not one little bit, said Roddy. But, but, um, there is, um, there is additional use and value to situations and phenomena that can be determined with um, an expanded awareness and consideration of the possible and the valuable. So physical movement is valuable. Working on mind and self and learning is valuable too. And so fretting over uselessness in some cases is um, ignorance of greater potentials uh, and value. And Clearly, the Taoist position is um, better to be free and easy on your own without worldly obligation than to rule the empire. And so, uh, what what uh, being given a position, I mean, this is particularly geared, I mean, there there's... There are many proper audience. There are many particular audiences for this teaching. Obviously, he didn't write it for us today. <laughs> I don't think so. He wrote it for the people of his time, uh, and particularly here, partly for those who um, either have been rejected by the world and and fret over their uselessness, or fret or worry or feel despair and and dismay over. The um, re- their rejection from uh, society where they could make a difference. I mean, that's the story of Du Fu, the poet, all the time. He really loved the sovereign and really wanted to make the, uh, the realm better, but was rejected regularly for various reasons, and there were lots of intrigues. <laughs> no different than today. So Du Fu, you know, what, 1,300 years ago? Uh, facing intrigues, found himself useless in the way, in, in relation to how he wished to be used. In, and when we consider that there are other values than the predominant value we've been focused upon, where we may be denied the capacity to achieve that value or fulfill that desire, desires associated with that value, there are other values whose fulfillment or act, uh, what what do you what do you do with a value you fulfill it you fulfill a desire you live in accord with a value or you accord your desires with your values that's important <laughs> know your values and accord your desires with your value live uh, accord your life in a, with your values be true to yourself um, but don't make trouble 
but uh, this is this. Uh, there's clearly a higher value placed upon free and easy wandering beyond um, giving yourself additional obligations or social use. Uh, I, please use me. <laughs> I mean, even... And again, this is not one size fits all. This is appropriate for anyone sometimes, possibly. It's appropriate for each person in whatever way you can figure out how it may be appropriate. Not always the same for everyone all the time. Not at all, of course. And so, uh, not not giving the recipe <laughs> for a hundred uh, uh, talents of gold may be the best option rather than give it so it has a greater use and you get uh, infuffed or you get, uh, you know, um, a land holding. And so, uh, the one of the simple points of this is um, determination of use and value. You see, if I if I it's valuable because I can use it. How I can use it in accord with how I imagine it's good to use it. It if it's not a val- if it's not possible to use it in accord with what I value, uh, a use that I value. It may be extremely valuable in accord with uses that I don't yet know or haven't considered that are also valuable. There are many valuable uses. There are many valuable courses of action. And uh, free your mind, uh, your ass will follow. Free your mind is a big, big deal. That's what the spiritual path is all about. But it's not a one-shot matter. You can't just think the right thought and keep the mind in that state. It doesn't work. So, but freedom is is uh, highly most most highly valued here. Do your danda doesn't mean take on new danda. If you wish to take on more responsibility and obligation, go right ahead. But it's not necessary. Do what you feel is best. But do your danda doesn't mean uh, continually acquire new responsibility. But if you wish to, because of service uh, or learning or desires of some type, go right ahead. Of course. So anyway, um, the the consideration of what's valuable, or, or it's essential <laughs> to know your own values, and it's a very useful to also consider that a situation that seem that, that that feel where we feel bad the situation doesn't feel good or bad we feel bad in a certain situation because it's not a core in accord with our desire uh, because it uh, being out of accord with our desire seems not valuable i want my desires fulfilled i don't want my desires not fulfilled or or stymied I don't val. I value getting what I want. I don't value not getting what I want. <laughs> but one can learn to value not getting what one wants in some cases, in some to some degree, in the fullness of time, as Humphrey would say. And so, one can value what um, one previously devalued, and not getting what you want and feeling dismay while totally natural and normal and healthy in a sense 
um, need not be the terminal point. And uh, not having what I want has the value of learning to move towards wellness with the, with, without that desire fulfilled. And so I, when I can't go to the right or I can't go to the left, uh, maybe I can find some value in stillness. Or maybe um, I can find supreme value in this condition or limit, condition of stillness. And so, uh, meanwhile, <laughs> um, it depends on knowing small, the, the difference is small and great. And that's part of what's going on here, is that uh, there's small intelligence and there's great intelligence, there's small view and great view. There is uh, a continuum of capacity to understand. And um, it's sort of um, like, don't, there's some saying, something like, don't, don't argue with a, with a fool. Um, he, uh, he's better at it than you. Or, um, uh, you know, if you, if you try to convince some people who are disinterested in learning or listening, it's futile. And so... Uh, there are small birds and big birds. There's little development, great development of awareness, of understanding, of intelligence, of imagination, of conception, conceiving possibility, of conceiving value. Meaning, uh, realizing that frustrated desire may open the potential um for experience that's also valuable and perhaps even more valuable than having the experience of fulfilling that desire and that's strange <laughs> and it's not meant to uh do a spiritual bypassing if you grieve your pain you're not spiritual bypassing uh so grieve the pain of the loss and the limitation uh, but consider that in the condition that is of loss or uh, has lost and desire unfulfilled and feel quite like limitation, there may be other um, attainment and development possible that's highly valuable, that uh, is even more valuable perhaps than achieving the desire. And that's the point, you see. <laughs> Fulfillment of desire nothing wrong with it, right? I like desire. I like fulfilling desire. Um, is in a certain sense circular or do, is, not, is not an upward spiraling movement. It's basically a loop, a, a horizontal loop, a linear looping, linear meaning on, on the horizontal plane. It's, it's um, I want it, I got it. I feel now the experience of satisfaction of getting it. Of course, that satisfaction being impermanent and insubstantial will deteriorate and that experience will be gone because mind states change uh, in a certain sense um, I mean it may well lead us to reaffirm the value of that desire because the consequences of fulfillment are supportive and positive positive and supportive to further growth it may lead us to realize that uh, we're mistaken in seeking that desire or that object of desire because now I, you know, be careful what you wish for, you might get it. 
in the way of getting what you didn't expect that's painful. Uh, okay, well, now I can learn that I better re-aim. Uh, I, I have lousy aim. I aim for satisfaction. I aimed for an object of desire. I got it. And now I'm more miserable than before. Okay, well, you better uh, go back to the practice range and um, learn to aim better at what's of greater value and satisfaction. But not having the desire fulfilled throws us also back into a situation uh, where we we have to... Um, we don't have to, <laughs> but it would be a good thing to to find value in through the discouragement, through the loss, through the limitation. That's very possible. Um, so long as we're not stuck in in you know distressful, painful mind states. So anyway, that's a lot what this chapter is about is uh, making a clear distinction between small and great. Uh, and knowing that when when there's transformation of consciousness towards greater freedom, we see potentials where we hadn't seen them before, and we find value where we didn't realize there was value, and we realize that there may well be value everywhere and all on all the time. I mean, I'm not a sage, so what the hell do I know? But it seems possible uh, that one can be very very free. <laughs> um, by making good use of all circumstances and uh, not presuming that we have any complete understanding. And so if he's, if he's only thinking of using the tree for lumber, he sees the tree as useless. If his, expansion, if his consciousness and mind is greater and more developed, he'll see value where another cannot. And that's also another point, is that you can, for the mind, for, for the, the person who's more well-developed, green, blue, indigo, um, they are very well-tuned to beauty and love, or beauty and truth and value, wherever it may be. And they may find beauty and truth and teaching and learning, learning, you know, a teaching for learning, and beauty for well-being uh, and spiritual meaning and teaching or spiritual symbolism and significance all over the place. All over the place. Because they're tuned to those frequencies. So that'll be it for today. <laughs> uh, free and Easy Wandering, Zhangzi Chapter 1. Uh, next week we'll go to start Chapter 2 uh, titled Discussion of the Equality of All Things. And... Um, uh, Burton Watson tra- titled it as "Discussion on Making Things, Making All Things Equal." Discussion on making all things equal. Uh, making all things equal is different than the equality of things, and that's interesting. <laughs> In uh, we'll we'll look at that more next time. So anyway, thank you. I hope this has been useful. Take good care of yourselves. See you next time, and good night.